the original version. So. Oh really? Yeah. I'm not saying it was good, but (laughs) I didn't say it was. I just wanted to hear it. (laughs) Welcome to the Greatest List Podcast, a show about music and lists. This season, your hosts Jason and Eric are counting down the top 50 movie soundtrack songs from the 80s. Think your favorite made the list? Tune in and find out. Take it away, boys. Welcome back to The Greatest List, a music and talk podcast featuring curated lists of the greatest songs of all time. I am Eric, your host for this episode, and joining me, as always, is my co-pilot, Jason. Hey, bud. Let's take off. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. We are uh, continuing our list of the top 50 1980s movie soundtrack songs, and we are finally into the top 40. Mm-hmm. Um, and this week is number 39, and the song for this episode is Somebody's Baby by Jackson Brown from the Fast Times at Ridgemont High soundtrack. By the numbers. So like I said, this is from the Fast Times at Ridgemont High soundtrack. Um, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty eclectic soundtrack, just like we said about mm-hmm. uh, uh, Less Than Zero. Um, this is the only charting single from the soundtrack. Um, and there's also, uh, which I don't know why this wasn't a, a, a bigger, well, probably because it's who it's by, but Sammy Hagar actually had a song called Fast Times at Ridgemont High on the soundtrack, and that was never released as, as a single. I don't know why. Yeah, odd so, choices. Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, this song uh, was released in July of, of 82, and it was it, it peaked at number seven. It was Jackson Brown's last top 10 song. That he uh, that he earned. Jackson Brown wrote this song with Danny Korchmar. And if you've never heard of Danny Korchmar, you just go just go Google him. Like we told you to Google Giorgio Moroder. He has just as an amazing catalog as Giorgio does. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been involved uh, in writing and producing a, just a, a slew of, of good songs. Um, but both Jackson Brown and Danny Korchmar were friends of the movie's writer Cameron Crowe. Uh, who convinced Jackson Brown to step out of his comfort zone and, and write what uh, Jackson Brown once referred to as a pure pop filler song. Hmm. Um, at the time he was writing it, or at the time he wrote it, he was deep in the in the, in the the writing for his Lawyers in Love album, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite albums. Um, and even though his record company and his management pushed him to include this song on the Lawyers in Love album he refused stating that it didn't fit with anything else he was writing um he's since come out in interviews and said that that was the biggest mistake of his career uh just because it was was such a hit such a hit yeah let's get personal so if i as i've mentioned before i have a i have a history with fast times at ridgemont high um it's it's a it was it, it was a very formative movie for me um, I, you know, the, the movie came out in 82, um, and I was 12. I had no business watching that movie at all. Um, <laughs> but I had, you know, friends whose parents, you know, would let us do things that my parents wouldn't. So we got to watch Fast Times at Ridgemont. Huh? <laughs> 12 years old. At 12 years old. I'm yeah. not sure I was ready for it at 18, let alone 12. <laughs> I didn't say I was ready for it at 12. I just watched it at 12. <laughs> um, uh, so this song is in a scene where Stacy, who's played by Jennifer Jason Lee, Stacy uh, has sex for the first time with uh, a big shot from the mall named Ron Johnson. And uh, they're on their first date. Um, 
And so why do I mention that? Why is that important? Because that's the first sex scene I ever saw in a movie. <laughs> um, ever. I mean, anything. And uh, so now every time I hear this song, <laughs> that's all I think about right, every yeah. time. Place and time, man. Music puts you in a place and time. It does. It really does. Um, you know, you know, and I could, you know, I can honestly say we we really wanted to watch Fast Times for Jeff Spicoli, just because you know the yeah. trailers that played and the commercials that played for it. He was just the main focus of the of the you know the the trailer and the commercials, and um, we just got more than we bargained for when we watched it as twelve year olds. <laughs> yeah, between no that, between that and the Phoebe Cates scene, we were just. I mean, it was it was very formative for us <laughs> yeah so i didn't watch the movie until like the mid 90s uh again going back to my days when uh, a lot more movies became available to me yeah. at the local video store that was one of them for sure that i remember watching and i probably watched it like three times in my whole life i mean it's uh, really yeah i mean i if I had been older in the early '80s and not watching He-Man, you know, I'd probably been more connected to it. Uh, well, of course, say, I, I saw it three times last month. <laughs> yeah, but just you know, that's I didn't have that uh, early connection with it. Yeah, so. yeah. And, you and know. as far as Jackson Brown, I went through this phase in like the early 2000s where I went back and listened to mainly '60s and '70s rock. Mm -hmm. And what I think about when I hear uh, the song or even just Jackson Brown in general is what was classic rock in 2000, you know, that was like sixties and seventies. <laughs> yeah. When you listen to those stations, I hate now when you're listening to quote unquote classic rock stations and they start to include eighties and nineties songs. You're like, this isn't classic. Oh wait, wait, I maybe mean, it is 30, 40, yeah, <laughs> oh, gosh. 40 years ago. Yeah. This is uh, really crazy. But uh, yeah, Jackson Brown was definitely a part of that. Uh, doctor my eyes running on empty probably my two favorites yeah of his um i also remember about that time a friend of mine uh had a daughter on a ballet team this is just totally off subject here and <laughs> he asked me if i would volunteer to be like a part of the stage crew for some of their performances you oh know? yeah so moving sets and props and things behind you know when the curtain's down and uh, one night, the crew and uh, all the dancers were kind of hanging out after the show, and we're getting everything loaded up onto the truck to get to the next performance or whatever. And uh, it just made me think uh, there's a piano like backstage. And I thought, how cool would it have been if I could have walked over that piano and started playing the loadout and stay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just the whole roadie, you know, kind of. Nice. That's the only time I've ever felt like I was, you know, like, touring with a band or something, but it was a ballet <laughs> team. Uh, <laughs> still, oh you know, gosh. that song is so great. I love uh, the loadout and stay those those two songs yeah. are kind of mashed together there yeah. and uh i don't know that <laughs> that was like during the time you know i'm discovering all this music and i'm listening to that and listening to the lyrics of loadout and you're like yeah this is cool i, yeah. I wish i could just go over there and start playing it you know <laughs> just to sit down and start banging going for it the out. next show yeah i mean yeah. oh gosh but That's somebody's awesome. baby was just one of those songs that would pop up on the classic rock station i remember and yeah um, several more of his songs during that time. And I'm just really starting to discover those rock bands and artists from that era. Right. The breakdown. So Jackson Brown's one of my favorite vocalists. He's just got a, his vocals are just so kind of, I mean, at most of the time are just really just smooth. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, I just like the way his vote, he, he can make his voice sound at times. 
uh, in this song, there's a there's a part right in the middle, right before what should be the guitar solo. It's not much of a solo, but it's that part of the song where he uses his falsetto, and then mm-hmm. he uses it at the end of the on, on the outro as well. Um, and I, I just love the the rhythm guitar part as well as the guitar tone. It's not over. It's not like overdriven. It's kind of twangy. I've tried to. I've actually tried to emulate it with my <laughs> with my different you know over the years with my my different equipment, and I can't ever get that exact sound. But I just love the way it sounds. Um, and and I, you know I love the if you listen to any other jackson brown songs he has a way of phrasing things sometimes that are that's just i just like the way he puts the lyrics together and phrases them um danny korchmar his his co his co-writer for the song he had uh one line written when they were writing the song he just came to the table with one line and he said that jackson brown took off from there and they wrote it in like you know in no time flat mm-hmm. um that he just you know he fed him that one line and he said all of a sudden Jackson just started spouting these lyrics out and he said you know it's 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 a shame that at the time Jackson Brown didn't appreciate that song more than he did you know he really thought it was just a pop filler for a soundtrack um he goes because it's just it's because it is just an incredible song yeah um, and uh and so I just you know there's just there's something about the way he sings on it and the way that the that the guitar sounds on it that I just love it just it's, I just love the feel and the vibe of the song Mm-hmm. So. There is something very unique, and my favorite part of the song is the dual guitars. Like uh, I had never noticed this before, but especially when you're listening in your headphones, I would encourage if you're going to go out and listen to the song, listen to your headphones because there is one electric guitar in the left ear, mm-hmm. and there's one in the right ear, yep. and they're playing different parts or they're, yep. they're doing their own thing throughout the entire song. It's so interesting to wa- uh, to listen to. Yeah. And you don't hear things like that uh, happen anymore. Or even back then, I I don't know, maybe he did that or that was intentional, but uh, just so interesting to hear different things in each ear. Yeah, he yeah. Uh, he does that quite a bit on, on, on several of his songs. Um, another band that does that all the time or was doing it all the time was uh, Guns N' Roses. If you listen to Appetite for Destruction, you'll hear two different parts, one in one ear and one in the other. Um, I've and, never uh, noticed that before. Yeah. I've probably listened to that for, I don't yeah. know. If you if you listen really close, yeah, um, Slash is in one ear and uh, Izzy is, is in the other ear. Interesting. So, yeah. Okay. So, but it's a great, but, that's a great uh, uh, effect that a lot of people, like that's that's used a lot actually in country in country music. You'll yeah. hear one one rhythm guitar playing one thing in one ear and one in the other, mm-hmm. um, but they mesh so well. You really, if you're not paying attention, you don't know that, that it's you know one side or the other. Yeah, yeah. And there's, I mean, uh, I do like the vocals in this. There's really nice harmony during the choruses. Yeah, I think it was one of his uh, one of the other people in the band that was doing the backups. I don't think it was him, but uh, the, yes, the vocal is, is very cool. Man, we don't get enough organ. Or even electric yes. piano in music. Oh man, anymore. the the B th- the the Hammond organ in this song, it's just so smooth and just fits right oh. in there with with the song. I appreciate that a lot more because yeah. you just don't hear that. And when you hear a song like this and you pay attention to all the instruments, and this was just you know definitive kind of that era. You get that yeah. organ every once in a while and the electric piano, especially in the seventies, uh, that sound that particular. Yeah piano sound um yeah it's just boom 
right there. There's a, there's a there's a lot of bands that will use that that B3 organ sound to like cover up the you know the lack of musicianship in other areas, but this one I think it fits in. It just fits. It, it's not yeah. it's not it's it's not a cover up. It's more of a it fits in with, with the song. Absolutely. So, yeah. So somebody's baby from Jackson Brown is our number thirty nine song on the countdown of the top fifty eighties movie soundtrack songs. Um, uh, and we'll give you another bonus song this week. I'm gonna, I believe, Fast Times at Ridgemont High from Sammy Hagar Sammy. is available on Spotify. I believe it is. Uh, so if if that's available, I'll that'll be your bonus song. If it's not available, then I will surprise you with another Jackson Brown song that uh, off of one of my. I actually have a Jackson Brown playlist, so <laughs> I'll uh, probably surprise nice. you. For, I, but I believe the Sammy Hagar song is on Spotify, so I'll, uh, I'll that'll, hopefully that'll be your bonus song. Okay. So uh, if you have Spotify Premium, you can stay tuned to hear both of those songs in their entirety at the end of the episode. If you're a free Spotify user, as always, you'll get a quick snippet of the song. Um, but if you're listening outside Spotify, you can visit the song whip links in the show notes that will connect you to these songs on your favorite music streaming app. Um, and give us your thought on this episode's song via social media. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at, uh, at Eric underscore Vardaman. He is at RD80s. Uh, and you can also find us on uh, Instagram, or you can also uh, leave a comment on the Retro Network website. Yep. So Jason will be taking over next time for our number 38 song, which I believe is... It's a very dreamy song. It's a very dreamy song and one of my favorites. <laughs> so uh, thanks for listening to The Greatest Lists, and we'll look forward to continuing our countdown next time. You've been listening to The Greatest Lists.